Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I'm going to have you stand to your feet. Tonight, we've been speaking for the past few weeks on God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And tonight, I I want to share with you as we close this series out, not just God with us, but God in us. That God wants to be not just the God that's with you. We've all experienced God with you. But very few people have experienced God in you. Say it again, Pastor. Many of us have experienced God with us. How many of you have ever uh, needed God to, to help you through a situation and God helped you through it? That, that's God with you. But when you have the ability to change circumstances, not just for you, but for other people, now you're experiencing God in you. I'm going to explain that a little bit in a moment. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, prophesied over 700 years before by the prophet uh, Isaiah. He said this, and it's repeated here in Matthew chapter 1. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name. Come on, work with me. Call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's with you. Now, as you're seated this evening, I want you to understand this. One of the biggest lies of the enemy is that you're all alone. The biggest lie that the enemy uses in your life is that no one's with you, that you're all alone, that no one cares about you. And in the holiday season, it's even worse. People feel isolated. They feel uh, unloved, uncared for. If you can't buy the things that, uh, that you want to get for people, you, you feel inadequate. And so this season that's supposed to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, becomes a time where many people begin to feel isolated, alone, like they, they're not enough as they are. But I need you to recognize when God says he's going to send someone, he calls him Emmanuel. He doesn't call him Elohim, which is creator God. Doesn't call him Adonai, which means Lord or or strong one. He doesn't call him El Shaddai, the, the God of more than enough. He calls him Emmanuel. Our first introduction to Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Because from the very beginning of time, God wanted you to know that when I send my son, my son's going to be with you always. You will never be alone. People may forsake you. Friends may walk away from you. But as long as Emmanuel, God with you, is with you, you will never, ever, ever be alone. Somebody say amen. So I need you to understand that the biggest lie of the enemy is to tell you that you're all alone. And the Christmas season is all about reminding you the birth of Jesus is literally to remind you is that you're not alone, that God is with you. And I I need someone needs to hear that tonight. You're not alone. You're not alone. Whether, Whether he broke up with you or she left you. Whether you got fired or whether you got people turning their back on you, it doesn't matter. You are not alone because God promised, Jesus promised, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Someone say, I'm not alone. 
In John chapter 14, we're going to be going through quite a few scriptures tonight. So if you have a pen, write these down or you can check it out later on on Facebook Live. You can pick up these scripture references later on. John chapter 14, verse 16 says this. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. And I shared this a little bit on Sunday who will never leave you. Well, isn't that great that every time God sends someone, he tells them, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. Okay. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't, they're not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will, will later be in, right now he's, come here, Cisco. Right now he's with you. This is with us. That wherever we go, he's, he's with us. Wherever, in, in good times, bad times. The valley or, or the, the mountaintop or the valley. It, when, when I have money or when I'm broke, God is with us. He's hanging out with us. Wherever we go, God, it, you can't get rid of him. God's with you. Even when you're bad, even when you're unfaithful, God's with you. Now, even if you try to run away from him, God's with you. Even, no, matter, no matter what you do, God's with you. Because in anything that, that takes place in life, God, that's the most workout you've gotten all week, huh? <laughs> Come on, give Cisco a round of applause. You stay with me on that, man. You see, God is with all of us, but he's not in all of us. God promised to be with us always, but he's not in everyone. There's a different level of experience that we see that Jesus is talking about in John 14 that he is with you now. The Spirit of God is with you now, but later on, he's going to be in you. See, the problem, many of us, like I said, we've experienced God with us, but we haven't experienced God in us. God with us is the promise, but God in us is the purpose. Say it again, Pastor. God with us is the promise. God in us is the purpose. See, let let me put it to you this way. Satan blew it when he killed Jesus. Because when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus contained the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The moment Jesus died and he breathed his last, he gave up the Holy Spirit. He gave up his breath. He died. When Jesus resurrects three days later and then tells the disciples, go and wait for the promise of God in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is released upon 120 people in the upper room. When the Spirit of God is no longer with them, the Spirit of God is now in them. There's a difference between having God with me and having God in me. And the difference is this, is that God in me ends up putting more than one spirit-filled person on the earth. When Jesus was here carrying the Holy Spirit, he would open blinded eyes. He would raise the dead. He would multiply the fishes and loaves. He would walk on water. He did things that humans can't do. Satan kills him, and now all of a sudden, 
there's 120 people walking around, opening blinded eyes, raising the dead, beginning to multiply. Because what now has happened is the spirit that was in Jesus, the Bible says that the same spirit, someone say same. The same spirit, not a like spirit, not something, uh, you know, it's not like a knockoff Nike shoe. It's not like a knockoff, uh, instead of a Rolex, it's a Brolex. Uh, it's a real thing. When it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You, you didn't catch that. Do you understand the kind of power that came through Christ to raise him from the dead after three days? It's not a light spirit. It's the exact same spirit that lives in you. And yet we get overwhelmed because I'm having boyfriend issues, girlfriend issues, financial problems. I'm dealing with my boss at work. And we get so overwhelmed by things, not realizing the power that dwells inside of you. John 14, 23 puts it this way. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and he will, we will come and make our home with each and every one of them. I need you to capture this because what I'm about to share with you is going to help, help you really in 2020 to live at a whole nother level. You're not going to even have to deal with addictions when you get this, this, this revelation. You're not going to have to deal with depression when you get this revelation. You're not going to deal with a lot of the struggles that we battle through week after week, day after day, when you get this revelation. God doesn't want to just come and visit you. He wants to move in and live with you. Oh, come on, church. See, there's a difference between visitation and habitation. I have people that come to my house. They're visitors. They come in, we prepare a meal for them, and they sit down and we, we fellowship. But at a certain time, appreciate you coming over, but you got to go home now. And then there's those individuals that come to our house that have been at our house for a while that they have refrigerator privileges. Okay. The longer you're there in a place you have, you know, Veronica used to live with us. She, so she, she'll, she can walk into our house and open the refrigerator. Pastor T, who's not here tonight, lived with us for quite a few years as well. First thing she does, she, she had a key to our house. In fact, one time, she came to our house without announcing herself, put the key in, opened the door, and walked into our house. I didn't realize it was her. And I had, I had a 40 pointed at the door. She was coming through the door. And the moment I saw her hair, I put the gun away. Hey, how you do? she didn't even know that she almost went to meet Jesus. <laughs> She can come in, and the first thing she does, she doesn't even say hi. She walks by us and opens up the refrigerator to see what we have in there. Because different, different guests, different people have different privileges in different places. I don't want God to visit my house. I want God to live there. And, and, and the, the problem is, is many of us are operating our relationship with God that way. You're, 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 you're satisfied with just having weekend visits. Some of you are just dating Jesus. You haven't married him yet. 
You, you just go out with him on Sunday mornings, but the rest of the time you're out with your other homies, your other ladies, you're doing your own thing. You're, you're not spending, you're not married to, you're not committed. You just want God just to be there when you go through trouble to get you out of trouble. You, you want the privileges of a relationship, but you don't want the commitments of a relationship. See, many of us have experienced God with us, but few of us have experienced God in us. Let me explain it to you this way. I'm not going to be long. In fact, I'm getting ready to, we're going to be landing the plane in a little while, so stay with me here. God with you. This, this is God with you. Say amen if this has happened. With God with you, God can give you peace in the storm. With God with you, it gives you hope when you have hopelessness, encourage you when you're weak, give you sight when you're blind, or direction when you're lost. Okay? That's God with you. You're, you're broken. You need so you know, all of a sudden someone gives you a handshake and you feel a little paper between the fingers and you're like, oh man, God just met my need. God with me. Glory to God. Okay. God just met my need. That's God with you. But God in you is no longer calming the storm for you. You now calm the storm for others. You become hope. For others, you encourage and inspire others. You see, you see others and you help them. The, you end up becoming the light to the path when others are lost. You see, when you become God with me, it's just about God, get me out of jams. God, you, God becomes your good luck charm just to get you out of whatever you're going through. Get me out of the struggle. Get me out of this. Lord, if I don't get convicted, Lord, I'll serve you forever. Let the judge lose the, let him lose the evidence, whatever. Oh God, don't let her be pregnant and I'll serve you forever. The, those are the kind of things that we're operating with God with us. But when it becomes God in us, now all of a sudden you've changed your level of living to where now it's not about getting you out of things. It's about you becoming hope for people around you. That's God in you. Someone say amen. See, God in you means that you are carrying a secret weapon into every battle. See, Satan blew it when he kills Jesus. When we gird ourselves with the whole armor of God, Satan doesn't see you. He sees Christ. And he sees an army of Jesus's walking towards him when we have God in us. And we are covered in the armor of God. Stay with me on this, okay? We've gotten so used to just using God with us just to get by instead of using God in us to make a difference. We live, we live so selfishly. Look at the prayers. I want you right now to think about it. Look at the prayers you prayed today. Think about it. Think about the prayers that you prayed today. Most of those prayers are about you. Very few of those prayers are about making a difference in someone else's life. Well, I prayed for my kid. Well, that's still about you because that kid's bothering you. And if that kid doesn't get things straightened up, it's affecting your life. I need you to understand that every one of you, listen, care, every, every one of you carry a WMD. Remember when the United States invaded Iraq, they were looking for WMDs. Weapons of mass destruction. But in each and every one of you tonight, every one of you carries WMDs, weapons of mass dominion. 
You carry with you dominion. You walk into every atmosphere with the power and the authority to shift atmospheres, to change situations. God gave you authority to step into a a crisis. See, why does he tell you to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace? Because whenever you walk into an argument, you carry with you peace. Whenever you walk into into a storm, you bring peace. That's why Jesus was able to look at the storm that had the disciples scared to death. Jesus was able to say, peace be still. And it was calm. You can't calm a storm when you have chaos inside of you. Some of you, these storms are nothing compared to the storm going on inside of you. The waves, the wind and the crashing. And that's why wherever you go, you're like that little character on, I think it's the Flintstones, that wherever he goes, there's this little cloud over his head. I think he called him Schleprock or something like that. But wherever he went, there was a cloud and lightning in there. It could be sun shining for everyone else. You know those people. That wherever wherever they go, there's a there's a storm around them. They're always in some kind of chaos. You are a WMD. You carry weapons of mass dominion. You can walk into that storm. You can walk into that person and say, "Peace be still." You can calm the storm in their life by the hope that you carry in your life. Somebody say, "Amen." Ephesians two nineteen says this. Now therefore. You are no more strangers or foreigners, but you are citizens with the saints in the house of God and are built by the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So Paul's talking about there's a there's a house being built. Chief cornerstone is Christ. The apostles are the stones in that that uh, in this house. Verse 21, in whom all the building is fittingly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple unto the Lord. Verse 22, in whom ye are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God wants to dwell in you. He doesn't want to visit you on Sundays. He wants to live in you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Friday the 13th. He wants to be with you each and every day of each and every moment of your life. It doesn't want to just visit you. That word habitation means dwelling place, habitation, dwell, abide. It's a root word that we get the word family, household, or race from. God wants to be your family. Now, you you didn't hear me right now. If you want to understand what I just told you, your mind would be blown right now. God, the one that spoke the word and created all the world, that blew breath into Adam, the one that spoke the word and and hung the world on nothing, that God, the all-powerful God, that everything we see came from him, he wants to be your family. He wants you as part of his family. It's like that rich, rich uncle. Everyone hopes for that rich uncle. You, you don't have a rich uncle. You got a rich daddy. You got a God that loves you, that wants you to be part of the family. In fact, as, as uh, the worship team comes, I want you to look. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. You realize you don't. Uh, you realize, don't you, that this, this is powerful. Take, take a look at this. The Apostle Paul speaking. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God. Everyone say, I'm the temple of God. Okay. Now, some temples are bigger than others, but you're a temple. Okay. 
Some of you get that on the way home. And God himself is present what? Where? Not with you. In you. No one will get by by vandalizing the temple of God or God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred and you, remember, are the temple. someone were to come in here, tear down the projectors, the screens, spray paint the walls, put satanic symbols on it, throw the chairs all over the place and destroy it. We'd walk into this place and we would feel like someone has invaded, desecrated what was set aside unto God. We would feel violated. And not one of us in here wouldn't feel like, you know what, I, I want to find the person that destroyed the temple of God. Yet we do that every day to ourselves. By the words we tell ourselves that we'll never amount to anything, you're no good, you're not going to do this, you're always going to be in this situation, or the things we put into our body, the way that we think, the way that we talk, you are the temple of God. And whenever you begin to tear yourself down, whenever you allow the enemy to rip you down, to tear you down, you are violating the temple of God. You're worth more than that. You are God's temple. You see, but God doesn't, didn't really care about the temples made with hands. In fact, the book of Acts verse, chapter 7, verse 48 says, However, the, holy, the Most High God doesn't live in temples made by human hands. That's why God didn't really, he didn't defend Israel when the temples got destroyed. Three beautiful temples they built. Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, Zerubbabel's temple. They built these temples up. But whenever they turned to idolatry or turned their back to God, God didn't do anything when they destroyed the temple because God never came for a temple made of stone. It's always been about you. Jesus didn't die for a temple, for a building. Died to get back into the temple called you. God made one temple for his presence. Man made three. And then we got all these churches all over the place in the city. But there's only one temple God's ever really wanted to be in. And that's you. As I close tonight, Ephesians 3, 17. Then Christ will make, come on. Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust him, your roots will go down into God's love to keep you strong. And, and you may have the power to understand as God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep. His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to 
understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now look at verse 20. This is what the, the one that we always memorize and we talk about. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us or with the, within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Another version puts it this way. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. But let me tell you something. You will not, you do not get an exceedingly abundantly above and beyond experience if you only have a visitation relationship with God. You keep wanting exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, but you're only giving a little two-minute visitation to God. That verse is set aside for those that allow God to live in them, not with them. If you have an experience, an exceedingly abundantly above and beyond experience in your Christian walk, it's probably because you've settled for God with us instead of God in us. When God truly gets in you, gentlemen, no such thing as an addiction. No, nothing has the power to hold you back. You get God in you, have to worry about the jobs. Because the opportunities will open for you because God in you will begin to bring out your best qualities and ability to work we want the benefits of habitation without the responsibility John 14 15 if you love me show it by doing what I told you so let me break it down to this as we close tonight if you want God in you it's not through coming to church. If you want God in you, it's not even through reading and praying. If you want God in you, Jesus said, if you love me, obey. It's that simple. You obey what God tells you to do. Live like God tells you to live. Not how religion tells you or a man tells you. Do what Jesus said. If you do that, God then comes and makes his home inside of you. And when God's presence shows up, God's not looking for perfection. Come on, listen closely to me. This is going to set you free this next decade. God's not looking for you to be perfect. Just obedient. Cisco said it last week, God didn't call you to understanding, he called you to obedience. And sometimes we don't want to do what God says until we fully understand why God is saying it. God just says, just do what I ask you to do. You'll find understanding when you step into obedience. Amen? The mystery is in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. I want to tell you right now, don't give up. You don't see evidence of God in you yet. You're obeying the word. 
It's like planting a seed and waiting for that seed to germinate and to grow. They talk about Japanese bamboo, that the Japanese bamboo tree, you plant the seed and you water it, but you have to water it for five years before it grows, before it sprouts from the ground. So you put that seed in the ground and you plant it, you water it. First year, nothing. Next year, nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nothing. Fifth year, all of a sudden, at the end of five years, something breaks through the ground. And then all of a sudden, in the next three to five months, it can shoot as high as a hundred feet. Just like that. So did three months make it grow to a hundred feet? Or the five years that it was being watered? Some of you have been in the home. You've been serving God. You've been committing to a good life. You've been trying to do the right thing and you see nothing. Don't give up. Because as you keep watering, all of a sudden you're going to see when you finally do break through the ground, you're going to explode. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. And it will last forever. Come on, stand to your feet with me tonight. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea. 